This is my twin brother from a different mother, all right? This is Ryan D. Johnson. This is Ronald D. Johnson. We are not related except by new birth, all right? We are brothers in Christ. But he is my twin brother from a different mother. If you've been around Ryan, he and his precious family have been here now, I was told, for approaching a year. And all I could say was time flies when you're having fun because Ryan has been a humongous blessing uh, to our church family. He's working on his chaplaincy program right now for the United States Army. Uh, that'll come out a little more clearly as he shares his testimony. Um, but what I love about Ryan is he has an amazing heart for Jesus. You know, when we talked about the last couple of weeks, we talked about the gifts of speaking and the gifts of serving. I would put Ryan uh, in the category of a prophetic. Uh, when I speak of prophetic, I mean somebody who sees very clearly, and discerns right from wrong, high sense of justice, um, would do anything the Lord asked him to do, really has a military heart for the kingdom of God. If God said to do something, he'd do it. Uh, he's got a great heart for prayer. Uh, those are just some of his most uh, prominent characteristics. But I want you to talk about what brought you back here. You know, you've been in ministry now on staffs at church, serving as pastor, serving as senior pastor. You've planted churches, and you've planted churches in some, some tough areas, really tough areas. All of a sudden, you show up back at your roots. So tell people first of all about your roots, and then, you know, what brought you back here? So, um, first of all, Grandma Patty, she's back there. Can you wave your hand at this, Grandma Patty? So, Grandma Patty, you need to talk to her about her testimony. She, she has a testimony of God delivering her from alcoholism and just setting, setting her free. But the reason why I say that is because that's my wife's grandmother. And their whole family took a different turn when that happened. And they were a part of helping this church get off the ground as well, partnering with the team, which caused my wife to grow up in this church, which caused my wife to, to have a heart for missions. This was her youth pastor. It caused my wife to have a heart for God, which I fell in love with. And we met each other at Bible school. And then we got married in this church. Uh, Bishop married us in this church in 2001. Um, so this is really, I'm adopted into the Stone, Living Stones family, but this is, is, a, is a home for my wife, it's a home for me now. But we are back in this area because over the past 15, or actually almost 18 years now, we've been pastoring in multiple places, uh, in Florida and Chicago. We planted churches on the south side of Chicago. We helped with establish churches, revitalize churches. We, we've helped plant churches in Florida. Um, we've been a part of pastoral ministry our whole life, and um, I kind of uh, was working my fingers to the bone, but not really operating in the gifting and calling that God had really truly called me, and I hadn't really found my lane yet, and so I'm back up in this area because I, I came to the end of myself uh, frustrated. I found myself frustrated in ministry, frustrated, and just, God, what do you want me to do? And this is what happened. I'm back up here seeking the Lord what to do next. And let me just say, God is sending us people, you might be one of them, uh, who are amazing people like Ryan, who have a big heart for the Lord. But how many of you know, sometimes in the processing of God, and Ryan's going to talk about this, in the processing of God in our lives, we go through difficult times, and sometimes the times are so difficult that we even begin to question our calling and our gifting. Have you ever been there? You question whether, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place and the right time? And Ryan went through a series of events that really it was the Lord allowing it to happen, but it was God kind of crushing the old hymn 
and resurrecting a new call, which he's going to talk about in just a moment. Now, I'm also going to mention this. We're getting ready to go into Ephesians chapter 4, the next probably four weeks, and we're going to talk about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And Ryan's going to touch today on, e- on evangelism and the, and the heart of an evangelist, which he has and which many of you in this room uh, have. And, uh, and some things are going to really become clear when we get to the end because here's, here's my contention. Everybody in this place operates in one of those, I call it orientation, not necessarily the office but orientation. In other words, you're wired that way. We're going to talk about what, what, how a, a, an apostle is different than a pastor, which is different than evangelist, and etc. We're going to get into that in the next few weeks. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And I'm going to reveal, as you quickly discovered, you're not a pastor, but you tried to pastor for years. I'm not a pastor. Some of you are going, but you introduced yourself as Pastor Ron. I know. We'll explain that in the next few weeks. But my lead foot is not pastoring. Um, and your lead foot was not pastoring, which is what led to so much frustration until you found your lane. And so he's going to share about that right now. I want you to give another great Living Stones welcome to Ryan Johnson as he shares this morning. Woo-hoo! Oh, sit down. It's... Listen. Let's, we should be standing up for Jesus, right? Because that's really who it's all about. It's, it's not about a man. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the glory of God. It's about what he does and how he does it. I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. I'm blessed to be here. I said my vows on this stage. Uh, it was different carpet back then. Um, and it was a different, <laughs> different type of uh, everything. It was, it was a little bit different. Funny story. I'll say it real quick because I, I want to get right to it. So... My wife should have known. My wife's working with the kids right now. She was in the first service. But my wife is the daughter of Rick and Leslie Samples. Who knows Rick and Leslie Samples? Okay. So Rick and Leslie are in the back right now. They're here today. So you can wave at Rick and Leslie. And um, so my wife grew up in this church. And my wife should have known when on the day of our wedding, there was something that happened on the day of our wedding in the ceremony that should have told her what she was getting into. So... We get on stage, and we, it was really the end thing back in the early 2000s to write your own vows. Okay, that, that was kind of like the end thing. And so we were like, yeah, we're going to write our own vows. So we're going to write them down, and we're going to have them. When we get up there, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna share from the bottom of our heart what we've written. So we get up there, and she, my wife, just pulls this paper out, and she beautifully just expresses her love for me and her heart for me and and I'm just, it's awesome, you know, I'm just soaking it up. And then, and then Bishop goes, all right, Ryan, your vows. And so I reach in my pocket. And I left my vows somewhere. I forgot my vows right up there on stage. Now, listen, she'll tell you how many times I've forgotten my keys, how many times I've forgotten to take the trash out? How many times I've forgotten? That was the type of person that she was marrying in that day. It was, a, it was a depiction of what happened. Good thing was is that the Lord has given me a gift to speak. So I was able, on the money right there, share my love and my heart with my wife. And God, had, God ordained the whole thing. It was, it was great. But that's a funny story about our wedding here that day. It was a beautiful day in June. June 23rd, we, had, we were married 18. We had been married 18 years it just seemed like yesterday that we were standing on this stage. And I tell you what, 
I know that some of you think you have a great wife, guys, but I have the best wife on the planet. That's the honest truth. So, so I just want to recap. So today we're going to be talking about finding your lane. Um, I want to recap just a few, a few quotes from the previous messages on this gifted series. So we're, we're in the gifted series. We're talking about how God has gifted us for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. Every single one of us are uniquely created. We've all been given a gift to, to be used for the glory of God. None of you in here are supposed to be doing nothing. All of you in here, God has given you a specific gift, and everything's supposed to go together for the glory of God, for the souls of mankind, so that Jesus Christ can be spoken and taught throughout the whole world, and people can be discipled in whatever gifting you find yourself in. Here's a couple of quotes from the messages, because Pastor Ron has been laying a strong foundation. Really, it's going to be culminating here in the next couple of weeks. And it's a strong foundation because it's important because there's a lot of mischaracterizations of the giftings in the Bible. There's a lot of churches and, and doctrines that don't focus on the gifts at all. And then there's churches and doctrines that take it and they start inventing gifts that aren't even in the Bible. So there's two extremes of it. And so a lot of times when there's extremes like that, people just kind of tend, uh, tend to stay away from the giftings. But what Pastor Ron has, has done is, is he says, no, we're going to take this thing head on. And we're going to explain it in detail, and we're going to lay a strong foundation. And some of the quotes from those messages that I want to kind of point out is, Pastor Ron said this, Don't let your gifts go dormant. The gifts God gives you are not yours. We are stewards of God's gifts to us. He expects us to bring them back to him in better condition. That's good. Another another quote, talking about spiritual gifts in context Our spiritual gifts are tools for God's glory. Don't be disgruntled about how God made you. My mother is a strong, strong personality, and my whole life I heard her say, I don't know why God made me this way. I don't know why. I'm a woman. I shouldn't have this strong personality. It never works out well for me. But that's how God made her, and God made her that way for a reason. Don't be disgruntled about how God made you. God made you male. God made you female. We're not going there this morning. But that's how God made you. It's about him. It's for his glory. So we say thank you. We have to die to ourselves in this. Pastor Ron also said our gifts are like a tapestry. All of our gifts are like a tapestry that God weaves together for his redemptive story and for his glory. Everybody has a part and place to play. Every single one of you are all uniquely created. There's no one like you. No one can be you. No one can do what you can do for the kingdom of God. He spoke about the gifts of speaking and the gifts of serving, and all of us kind of tend to see where we can fall in. doesn't mean we have to choose one or the other, but we just tend to kind of lean one way or the other. And sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do. Pastor Keith said this, Sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do so that we can grow and be prepared for what God has called us to do. And that is where I want to pick up my part of the story. Because for almost 18 years of my life, I was doing things in the ministry. I knew I was called to the ministry, but I was doing things that I didn't, I, 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 was, I was working hard because I, I thought, man, I should be wanting to do these things, but they weren't really fully in the lane that I felt like I needed to be in. 
and I was serving the Lord and I was honoring the Lord, but I still came up, kept coming up like, oh God, what do you really have? What, what are you preparing for me? So today we're going to look at finding your lane. And I want to pray because I want you to understand that this message today is going to be an in-between real life example of finding your lane. I'm going to be the example. My life story up to this point has been an example of the wrestling and the journey of the process. And I want you also to understand that this is my story. Your story is different. So don't necessarily compare yourself that what I went through is exactly the way that you're going to go through. All of us are different and all of us have different processes. All of us have our own stubbornness that God has to get rid of. Some of us it takes a little bit longer than others. But all of us have areas that we are in a process and journey. And so we have to learn not to compare ourselves to one another. But to compare ourselves to the scriptures and to the Lord and let the Lord lead our lives. So I want you to hear what I have to say today. But also understand that God has a process for you. Let's pray. Father, before we go any further, I just want God to to acknowledge you in this place. To ask that you be glorified. To ask that you guide and direct my words Father, I pray that you would be seen, Lord, that you would be heard. God, I recognize that my words in and of themselves fall flat. But I also recognize that you anoint and you call and that you anoint your word and you anoint people to speak your word. And so I humble myself and ask that you speak through me today, that you would glorify your name and that when we leave this place today, it wouldn't be, wow, what a great message by Ryan. It would be, wow, God, you spoke to me. You did something great because that's what it's all about, Jesus. And so I ask that you do that now. In your name I pray, amen. So there's three points that I want to focus on this morning. I want to dial into three points in the process of finding your lane. The first one is it's about his lane. His lane meaning God's lane. That's the first thing. Number two is your lane. Then we're going to focus on your lane. And you'll hear my story. And then the third thing is their lane. Their lane. Who's the there? You're going to hear about it in just a moment. So right up front, really briefly on his lane, we have to understand that this lane that we're seeking to find It's not ours. It's God's. It's God's lane. In America, we feel like we have a right to everything, which we do. We've been afforded that right by the great men and women who fought for that right. And I'm I'm one of those, and I'm grateful for those who have fought for our rights. But we have to be careful that in our free society, we understand that this is, our, our society isn't a monarchy. So we, when we meet the president of the United States, we shake his hand. Why? Because he's equal to us. He doesn't have a rule over us as a, as a king would. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. You see, in the kingdom of God, God is king. And we're servants. And many times we bring God down to our playing field because of our cultural understanding. And we feel like we have a right to know. We have a right to question. We have the right to express ourselves to God. We bring God down and act like he is an equal. Now listen, I believe that God does want that intimate relationship with us. I believe that he invites us to be friends with him. I'm not saying that's not true, but we, almost, we always have to never forget our place and our position in this relationship. That he is the king and we are not. That he is God and we are his creation. We are his servants. And I really appreciate how Jesus, when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, when you pray, 
pray like this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't just some prayer we teach our children, which we should. And this isn't just some prayer that we say every day. We have to realize what it's saying. Jesus is saying up front, listen, when you pray, you need to make sure you have the proper priorities. You need to make sure you have the proper perspective. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about his lane. It's about his will. It's about his purpose. And it's not about us right up front. And when you put that as the forefront of your life, when it's his lane that matters most, then you can be able to find your lane. That's the order. And I just wanted to, wanted to remind us of that this morning. Because many times in our consumer mentality, we think it's all about us. And I'm not saying it's not about you. Because God is genuinely concerned about you. And he wants you to know him and he wants a relationship with you. But it has to be done in the right way. It's not our way, it's his way. So the first lane is his lane. The second lane is your lane. Like I mentioned before, this is my story. Um, I don't want you to compare yourself, but I want you to learn from my story. So I was born and raised in a pastor's home. And I always tell people this uh, when I was being raised. I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church. (laughs) And I was drugged home from church. And when I woke up on Sunday morning, there wasn't a choice. There wasn't this, I don't really feel like, it didn't matter what you felt like, you were going to church. Okay, that's where you went. I always, I, when I was a youth pastor, I'd get so frustrated, this is why I'm not a pastor like Pastor Ron said. I used to get so frustrated with people and they would go, I'd say, hey, I haven't seen your kid in youth. Yeah, well, he really doesn't want to go. I'm like, does he want to go to school? You make him go to school? Listen, every time you have your child and every time you present yourself, even if they are in the right, wrong motive, don't want to be there, you are giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak into the life of your kid. So that's a side note. Pastor Aaron, you can pay me later. (laughs) But I was raised in a pastor's home, born in the South, and my perspective of ministry was pretty vanilla. If you're called by the Lord, which I felt called when I gave my life to the Lord, you're called to preach, period. Called to preach. Called to pastor, called to preach. That's it. And so that's what I thought I was called to do. I knew I'm called by the God. I knew I'm called to, to, to the ministry. I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be a pastor. But I want you to see how God prepares our life and the environment that we're raised in, you know, our, our, our home life, our family life, our cultural life, all of that is a part of preparing you to find your lane. So I was raised in a military family. My grandfather, you can go to the next slide. My grandfather was a combat veteran in World War II. He was, is, it, is the slide coming up? Was it able to, there it is. So my grandfather uh, in the Air Force, Tech Sergeant Robert Co- Covert, he was in the Army in World War II, fought in Okinawa, island hopped, just clearing those islands. Um, he was in Korea as well as a combat veteran. And in funny story in Korea, he was also, my, my, my grandfather was also a minister of the gospel. He was an evangelist. And he wasn't a chaplain or anything. Uh, but he used, when he was in Korea, they used to put him in different villages to fix things. 
and he would just preach the gospel, and people would be saved, and lives would be changed, and he would just, every village that he went to, they were, <laughs> he was just like a missionary, like a, a paid missionary by the Air Force, and so the, so my, my grandfather, he retired after 20, 20 something years in, in, in armed services. My, my dad's dad, my Papa Johnson, he was a petty officer, third class in the Navy. Uh, he was a World War II veteran as well. My dad was a petty officer, third class in the Navy as well, a Vietnam veteran, two combat tours. Um, he joined the, 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 the Navy because he figured, you know, everybody's getting drafted in 1967, right? So I'm going to join the Navy because I grew up on boats. It's a little easier. I don't want to be shoved in the middle of it all. Well, what did they do? They shoved him in the middle of it all anyway. So he was assigned to, um, as a fireman on, they call LSTs, they're, they're transport ships. And they used to transport Marines up the rivers of Vietnam and drop them off and drop them back. So I don't know what LST stands for. My dad told me it used to stand for uh, low, slow target because literally they didn't move very fast and they would go up these rivers and they would just shoot at them from the rivers, you know, and, and their boat, one of their ships was uh, destroyed and my dad barely got out with his life. And so my dad had a, had a unique experience in Vietnam and which, which is really what has, has stirred my heart for our, our men and women in uniform and why I'm pursuing the, the chaplaincy in the army. And then the next one is, 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 is me um, and, and my journey. But I wanted you to see the process because in your life, you, you gotta, how do I find my lane? What, 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 what can I be looking for? Well, it's natural. Finding your na- lane is natural. God prepares you naturally. He raises you in the home that you're in, the family environment that you're in, the, the situations and circumstances that you've been through. You think, well, why, why it's not fair I had to go through that. No, 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 don't look at it that way. Look at it as God allowed me to go through that so that I could be a minister to somebody else who may go through that. Or God raised me in this so that I could be a testimony of his glory and his honor. I, never, I don't have a story much in, in a sense of like I had a drug problem or I was going through this or that. I, 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 I used to struggle with that early in my life. I used to say, God, I don't really have a testimony. And I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, listen, Jesus never smoked one joint. He never got drunk. And he was the greatest soul winner that ever walked the planet. Don't ever say that anymore. It's God who saves, not you, not your story. So that kind of relieved me a little bit for that. But I don't want to cast off the power of a testimony either. So there are those of you who do have a story. Use that story for the glory of God. God has brought you out of that nonsense so you can testify of his goodness. So when I was saved, I got saved and I was 18 years old. I mean, I was raised in church. I knew about God, but I, I truly had, a, had a, a life-changing experience. And I went to the Brownsville Revival, January 31st, 1997. And I gave my life to the Lord and I went to the altar and I said, God, either I'm going to serve you all the way or I'm not going to serve you at all. I'm kind of like that type of person. Either I'm going to do it all the way or I'm not going to do it at all. And that's the type of people I like to put around myself. I like to put around myself people where I know where, where I stand with them, you know? You've been around people and you're like, I just don't know where I stand with you. I like you to tell me where I stand with you. I like to know what you're, I like to know, be around people like that because I'm just a no-nonsense type person, cut and dry, black and white. And so when I gave my life to the Lord, the Lord put a scripture in my heart. And listen, a part of your life and your testimony, God's going to speak to you through his word. And he begins to put scriptures in your heart because those scriptures, he wants to solidify in your heart because a lot of times those scriptures impact your lane. They impact the call of God on your life. And this scripture was put in my heart. I consider it my life verse, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, I know that this scripture is a prophetic messianic prophecy of Christ's coming, and in Luke chapter 4, that prophecy is fulfilled. But the Lord spoke this for my life as well. That though I know the Lord has called me, at the beginning I knew the Lord had called me to the gospel. He called me to proclaim the good news. He called me to reach to the broken and to the poor. He called me to bind up the brokenhearted. And so from my perspective, like I said, being raised, the only way I knew that was possible was by pastoring. And so right after Bible school, I went to, I actually went to Bible school at David Wilkerson School of Ministry, uh, Mount Zion School of Ministry in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I met my beautiful wife there. We got married afterwards. I went back down to my hometown, Panama City, Florida, and I came on staff at a church as an associate pastor. And for the next 15 years, I served the Lord at the local church as a pastor. But every few years in that journey, I would find myself frustrated. I'd find myself saying, God, I just don't, I know, I would pray like this. Help me to be settled, God. Help me to, to be patient. Help me to, to and those are good, these are all good prayers, but what I didn't realize is in a lot of ways I was praying against who I was. I was praying against how God had created me. And, and, and sometimes we do, I mean, I'm not saying I don't need to be patient. I, of course we need to be patient. But the whole, process, the whole point of it was that I was fighting against truly who I was called to be. But the only perspective that I had was the perspective of I, was, I should be a pastor, so after eight years of being associate pastor, I just got unsettled doing that. I said, you know what? I like, I like difficult. Like I, I want to be in the roughest of the roughest. I want to be in the minute. I want to be on the front lines. Like I'm sold out, Jesus. I'll do anything. I'll die for you, Jesus. Like that's always been my perspective. And so um, I, the Lord spoke to my heart. I believe it with all my heart. Go to Chicago and plant churches. So what did I do? Loaded up my family, wife, three kids, six and under, and we moved to 38th or 39th Street in Cottage Grove, and we planted there, and we began to work in the ministry, and we began to serve people, and we began to we help we help a church plant, and then we revitalized the church over in Gage Park, West Ells and West Inglewood, and we pastored there for three years, and we begin to do after school programs, we begin to do ESL programs, we begin to do uh, feed the homeless, and we served homeless out of our church, and all these things were all driven by souls and outreach and and moving and shaking, and this was who I was, and this is where I found my groove, but I still kept coming up short in my mind and heart because. I was a pastor, and I needed to pastor the church, and I needed to make sure the people were taken care of, and I knew what the role of a pastor was, and I didn't feel like I was doing that, that I needed to do well, so I hired a, a pastor, and I, I put him uh, over as a pastor at our church, and then eventually I passed the church on to him because I felt like the Lord was leading us back to Jacksonville, Florida, to plant another church. And so as you can see, my spirit, my heart is always go, 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 and I used to fight against that. I used to pray against it. God, settle me. I want to be here. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay right here. But the Lord has always unsettled me. And it wasn't until these past three years of my life, because I went to Jacksonville. We helped plant a church. I began again to feel unsettled there. I left Jacksonville to come back up here. It was a, a, a bad break with the leadership there. It wasn't a good situation. It wasn't anything immoral or anything like that, just a disagreement on leadership. And I, I moved. we moved our family back 
to Chicago because that's where I knew to go. And then for the next three years after that, year and a half after that, and a year and a half, three years, I struggled. God, what do you have me to do? God, I felt like I've laid my life down. I felt like I've given up everything, God. I feel like I've given up. I, we don't have anything. We don't have any resources. We don't have anything. That, and I felt like I've given up to follow you and to seek you. And I, I could sense a bitterness starting to, starting to come into my heart. And I'm like, God, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want to be bitter. I want to grow. I want to be on fire. I want to live for you. I want to I tell the world about you, Lord God. But I feel like everywhere I go, everything I do, I'm just falling short. I, I, I don't feel settled. And so for the next three years, I went back to school, finished up my bachelor's degree, theology. Then I enrolled in a, div- in a seminary to get my master of divinity. And it was there in seminary that I began to study what it means about giftings in the church. And I began to study each of the five giftings, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and evangelist. I began to study America. I'm a history concentration. So I began to study, by the way, side note, Anybody that wants to talk about theology, please call me. Nobody wants to talk about it. Their eyes start glazing over when I start talking about it. And I'm getting all this stuff in my head, and it's like nobody, there's nobody talks to. So if you like to talk about church history and, and theology, call me. Let's get coffee. Let's get lunch. I want to I talk about it. That's a side note. But I begin to learn there's roles and there's giftings and there's callings. And I begin to study these giftings and callings, and I begin to see I am not a pastor. I had been trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And I almost killed myself doing it. I almost destroyed myself spiritually doing it. But the Lord in his great mercy, because he knew my heart was just to follow him, he brought me to the end of myself. He brought me on my face. And after about a year and a half, I began to pray. I said, God, I got to know what to do. I can't just be not knowing what's going on. I began to fast. I actually set myself to fast and pray for 30 days. And at the end of those 30 days, I got a vision. And in that vision, the Lord showed me a throne room. And on the throne, there was a king. It, was a, it wasn't the literal throne room of heaven, but it was a picture of that. And in the throne room, there were servants everywhere. And servants were coming before the throne. They were getting their orders, and they were leaving. And I felt like in these three years of just waiting, I saw so many people doing so many things for God. And I'm like, God, what's going on? I want to be doing that. I want to be going there. I want to be doing that. And the, and the Lord has me locked down. And so the Lord showed me, Ryan, you're a servant first. And right now, you're on the side. And so in a throne room, there are servants that stand to the side. And they're waiting to be called by the king. Remember, he's the king. It's his kingdom. It's his glory. It's not us. It's not about my dreams and my visions. It's about his kingdom and his glory and his vision and his dream. So he showed me, right now you're on the side. I'm going to put you together with people eventually. But right now I'm teaching and I'm doing something in your heart. And then what he'd been doing in my heart, he'd been showing me my calling and my gifting. Now what I want to uh, point out is that the Bible says in Romans, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes. So it's either all things are working together for good or nothing. See, I like those things that say all because I'm an all or nothing type of guy. So it's either all things or it's nothing. So which one are you choosing to believe? If you believe it's nothing, you just need to toss the Bible completely then. 
Because the Bible says, for we know that all things work together. So every hurt, every pain, every struggle, every bitterness, every problem, everything works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's all things. So I look back at my life, everything that's happened, everything that's happened has been for his kingdom and glory. I can see the Lord's hand guiding every single aspect, every stop, every person, every struggle, every hurt. All things had truly been worked together for good. I've always had a drive to go, 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 go. And realizing that what my lane was as an evangelist, I have been, I'm an evangelist who's been trained his whole adult life as a pastor. Now, army chaplaincy is both. Army chaplaincy is pastoring the soldiers, listening to their, what they're going through, but it's also we're called to serve, and we're missionaries to 1.2 million soldiers, and guess what? We're always called to what? Go, go, go. When you find your lane, it's natural. When you enter into the lane that God has called you to, it is a process that he brings you, and he forms that in you. It's not something that you're not going to want to do. It's going to be something that you want to do. But when I finally died to my dreams of my understanding of what ministry was, because when I, when I, I saw that vision and the Lord speak, I was like, God, I thought you, you called me to the city to plant churches. And he says, whose dream is that? I said, Lord, isn't it your dream to plant churches? He says, yes, but that's not my dream for you. So I said, okay. He says, just stand to the side right now. I got to do some work in you before I can release you what you're supposed to do. There was a prophecy over my life a year before I moved back up here. A lady came to me and she says, I, I need to pray for you. I didn't know her. I just arrived in Jacksonville to plant church, help plant the church. She says, you're about to go through the most difficult time of your life. And, but God has called you to be a watchman on the wall. And you're going to, it's like a river that is clogged with trees. And the river isn't flowing right now. But God has called you to clear those logs. He's going to clear those logs. And he's going to put you around the people that you need to be around. That is exactly what has happened the last three years of my life. It's been the most difficult time of my life, questioning this, questioning that. But all the while, it's all been a part of God's process to prepare me for the lane that he's called me in, which is army chaplaincy. My whole life is for this. It's been made up into this point. And it's been a, it's been a, it's been a difficult process, emotionally, mentally, my, in my mind and heart. But it's been a worthwhile process. So I want to say this. Everything that you go through is a part of the process of God preparing you to find your lane for the kingdom and glory of God. And always remember, it's about him. It's not about you. So the last point, the last point is their lane. Who is there? Who is your there? All the grammar teachers are going, ah! Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. How then... Can they call on the one, talking about those who have not heard the gospel? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Every single one of us are called to be a light in the world. Some of you are called to be more active lights in terms of going like I am. That's an evangelist type heart. Some of you are called with a pastoral gift or maybe a a heart for compassion and mercy like Pastor talked about last week. But all of us have been called to be a light and to share the life of Jesus with others. And in the very grand scope of things, in the grand scope of life, finding our lane is very minimal. It's really about his lane and their lane. So who's the there? There is anyone in your sphere of influence on a daily basis. That's who there is. Anyone in your sphere of influence on a daily basis is your there. And that is what God has called you to right now. Every single one of us is called to serve and share the love of Christ within our sphere of influence. This includes but not limited to spouses, kids, bosses, employees, coworkers, gas station attendants, Walmart cashier, bum on the street, anybody within your sphere of influence is your there. We have to understand that no matter where you are in the process, You're in the process that God is working right now in your life. He's preparing you to either move into your lane right where you are. You're already in your lane or eventually to put you in the lane that you need to be in, the calling that God has for your life. Think about this. John the Baptist, right? Remember John the Baptist? Crazy guy, long hair probably, eats wild locusts and honey. My kind of guy. John the Baptist was prepared 30 years for a six-month ministry. And he was done. Jesus, son of God, 30 years for a -a three-and-a-half-year ministry, and he was done. It's about him, his purpose and his plan. Your lane is important. And he, he will lead you in your lane, and he will put you in your lane. But understand that the process that you're in, you may not feel like you're in it. That's a part of the process to find your lane. And we're always in somebody else's lane. Every day we're in somebody else's lane. We have to be faithful in the now because we are always being prepared for the future. Let's stand together. So when I was praying for everyone yesterday, I felt like the Lord gave me a word specifically for two groups of people. And um, I got a burden. I got a sense that God wanted to speak a word. The first group of people, so if this is you, just bow our heads and close our eyes. If this is you, then I just want you to step out of your seat and come down. We want to pray for you. Um, We want to just believe God to encourage you and to breathe fresh life on you. So the first group of people is there are those who here who have been at one time thriving in your lane. So at one time in your life, you were thriving in the lane that God had called you to. I saw when I was praying a heart that was on fire, once was on, that once was on fire, but now it's covered in ash. Underneath the ash, there are still coals that are smoldering, but the ash needs to be blown off. 
so oxygen can get to the fire so a fresh fire can come. God wants to blow a fresh wind of spirit over your hearts today. This is, this is, I'm not saying this is just for middle to upper age people, but I think a lot of folks are middle upper age that are falling into this category because you had been operating, serving in the ministry, honoring God, doing what God had called you to do, and then for somewhere along the line, you just got tired or you got weary and the fire went out, ash covered, and now you're like, oh, we'll just leave it for the, for the new guys to do. And God's saying, no, if you're still alive, you're still called. If you're still living, if the breath is still in you, you're still there to do, do what God has called you to do and to find your lane. So if that's you today and the ash has covered up the fire, I just want you to get out of your seat and come down to the front. Second group of people, those who have been hurt or wounded in the ministry or who have been disappointed by a spiritual leader or someone in the church. I believe that Livingstone's church is a hospital for people who are coming from other places that have been hurt, that have been bitter or frustrated or something happened that's caused you to step out of your lane. And God is saying, you need to get back into the lane. You need to get, get over what happened to you. You need to let me heal you from the wound so that I can put you back into where you're supposed to be. So if there's anybody here that feels that way, just come. Leadership team, if you can please come and help us pray. All the elders and leaders, if you're a leader in the, in, in the house, we have a lot of folks up here. So if you could please come help us pray. Those of you in your seat, if you could please pray as well. If you need to slip out, no problem. We understand you have things you have to do. You can slip out if you need to. But if you could please just pray for us down here, we really appreciate it.